thing. Um, but my parents got um, separated when I was 10, and um, they got divorced within the year. And uh, my dad actually remarried um, probably about a year later. So I had a lot of adjustments between, like, sixth grade year and, like, middle school. And um, my mom, she uh, kind of went off the deep end a little bit and started drinking and doing drugs. And my brother is, like, a year and a half older than me. And so we were living with her at first, and then um, we moved in with my dad. And um, since he got remarried, it was kind of a struggle for me because I was used to being, like, the woman of the house, I guess you could say. So to share my dad with someone else was um, a new experience in my life that I never really had before. And so I started to, after I got saved, to realize that the relationship that I had with my stepmom wasn't the greatest. And um, I started to read the Bible. um, And as a new Christian, I kind of started to realize what honoring your parents meant. And even though I didn't ask for the circumstance to happen in my life, and I didn't ask, you know, my dad to get remarried or anything like that. I started to understand that God had commanded me to honor my parents. And even though I wasn't happy about the situation, I started to just do things for my parents, even though they didn't ask me to, um, which as teenagers is hard, understandable. It's nice to not have to do anything and to lay around and um, to not have any responsibilities. But um, I definitely think that... As you get older, you start to realize all that your parents have given to you and what they've done for you, and you start to realize that even those little things that you do that maybe don't seem like a lot to them actually do mean a lot to them. So um, that was probably one of the biggest phases in my life, Um, just learning to adjust um, to having two parents, you know, and then two parents at another house, and um, my mom got remarried a couple times, and so I had stepdads and stepbrothers and stepsisters. And um, just through all that, um, my brother actually doesn't go to church anymore. He likes to live the party life, and he's chosen to go down a different path. And I chose to go down the path that I knew God wanted for me. And it's interesting because we grew up the same. We went to church here together, and we first got saved Probably, I was probably 10, so he was probably almost 12 years old when he got saved. And um, we heard the same messages. We heard Pastor Dan preach, you know, about how we're supposed to follow after God. But he chose, through our circumstances, to look at the worst of the circumstance and not to look at what God can do through the circumstance. Um, So I was just looking through the Bible, and a lot of the time when my parents were getting divorced and I was learning to adjust to living with my dad and my stepmom. There were a lot of nights that I didn't really understand what was going on in my lifetime and, um, like, what, I guess, what good could come out of it. And I found myself, um, like, feeling lonely or, like, God wasn't wasn't there. And so in, in life, God never promises that we won't have sorrow and we won't have trials. Um, He just promises that when we come through it and when he brings us through it, that it's all for a reason. And so um, in the book of Job, it talks about Job, who's a man of God, and how he goes through such a hard time. Um, He cries um, tears of loneliness and betrayal. And then um, 
some different kinds of trials that are in the Bible. Um, In the book of Psalms, chapter 80, verse 5, um, the psalmist prays a prayer for the fallen Israel and how they turned from God and um, they needed to repent. And so um, through your life, um, you're going to come through circumstances that maybe you didn't expect, like your parents might end up getting divorced or your siblings might end up getting divorced or your friends might betray you or you might run from God. But um, just remember that you can always make the decision to follow after God or you can always make the decision to turn away from God. And having been there and had that choice and that decision to make and choosing to follow God, I can tell you that it's worth it to follow God. And um, one of my favorite songs that I like to listen to um, says, I can count a million times people asking me how I can praise you with all that I've gone through. The question just amazes me, can circumstances possibly change who I forever am in you? Maybe since my life has changed long before these rainy days, it's never really ever crossed my mind to turn my back on you, O Lord, my only shelter from the storm. But instead, I draw closer through these times. So I pray, bring me joy, bring me peace, bring the chance to be free, bring me anything that brings you glory. And I know there will be days when this life brings me pain, but if that's what it takes to praise you, Jesus, bring the rain. So I just pray that as you guys grow up and as circumstances come into your life, um, that you choose to follow God. Something about this church and women speakers, I'll tell you what. They're all good, aren't they? They're all good. What's that? I'm the man? Hey, all right. Tonight, before I bring the message, what I want us to do is, instead of having a big, huge just prayer time, um, we're going to do some people's least favorite thing in the world, some people's favorite thing in the world. We're going to break up into groups, and we're going to have small group prayer together. Okay, and tonight what I I really want us to pray for is that tonight's message is how do I live a spirit-controlled life? And so tonight in your prayer group, I want you to really pray for that. Pray that, that God reveals to you, that God shows you how to live a spirit, Holy Spirit controlled life. So that's the first thing we want to pray for. Second thing, we haven't done this in a while. And, and I do this in my own prayer time, but I think it's important for us to do this every once in a while, too, is I want us to pray for Bradford, you know, John and Carrie at Bradford and their ministry. If you guys, any of you do not know John and Carrie, um, John is Pastor Dan, the pastor of this church, his son, and uh, we have a little mission work going on in Bradford, Ohio. It's where Pastor grew up, and John is now pastoring there, and, and his wife, Carrie, and we go there and help out every once in a while. Sometimes when John goes on vacation, he asks me to go preach there and try to bring the noise. I'm not even close to bring the noise like he does. But um, they have a wonderful, wonderful pastor in John Wisner there in Cary. And so I just thought it would be, uh, tonight would be a good night for us to pray for them. So pray for the Holy Spirit to show you how to live a Spirit-filled life and pray for Bradford. Is there any other urgent requests that we'd like to pray for tonight? Anything? 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 All right. Here's what I want us to do. There's only one rule. And, well, actually, I take that back. I'm big into rules. We, you cannot have any more than five per group. Okay? 
five per group. And what I want you to do is just find your group. If, if you want it to be two or three, that's fine. I, I want you to feel comfortable in, in your prayer group, okay? So if you want two or three, that's fine, but no more than five. And what I want you to do is I want you to, in your group, um, if you just want to dedicate, have one person be the, the prayer person, that's fine. If, if everyone wants to pray, I don't care how you do it. But I want everyone in just praying together for these two needs, okay? For the night service and also for uh, Bradford and John and Carrie. So if you guys want to go ahead and split up. Uh, one last thing. Do not come back until I'll end us in prayer, okay? So if you get done praying, go ahead and, and just kind of sit there and quietly mingle. And then I'll, I'll finish up with prayer and then we'll come back and we'll have the message, okay? So go ahead and break up into groups. Anywhere around here that you want. Up on the stage, underneath the chairs. Me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Let's say I'm going to 16, right? All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, and that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while and ye shall not see me, and again a little while and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Okay, now I want you to go ahead and turn. I was trying to like hit home some of the points there, but I'm going to do it at the very end. And I want us to look now in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In that passage, it tells us a little bit, while you're turning to Romans chapter 8, it tells us that He convicts, that He shows us things, that He teaches us. That's what the Holy Spirit will do, all those things. He'll convict us, He'll teach us, He'll show us things, illuminate things. All right, now in John, or I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 8, we'll pick up in verse 14. I think verse 14. Yeah, we'll do for Actually, you know what? Let's start right at the beginning. What do you think? You guys want to do that? Start at the beginning? I want to. So let's do it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. They don't, they don't try to satisfy the flesh. They try to satisfy the Holy Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life is Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in that flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. I have to turn the page. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Here's what I want to tell you right now. If you live a Spirit-controlled life, you have peace and you have life and you have joy and you have happiness. We're going to talk about that next week, about what it looks like 
But if you have the Holy Spirit living in your life, you are <laughs> happy. You are joyful. Not all the time. But man, I tell you what, you just have like a, a, a hop to your step. You're walking down the hallways and you have a hop to your step. There's something about you when you have the Holy Spirit controlling your life. Can you think of somebody? Sam Simper. Can you think of somebody else? That's it. No, I'm just kidding. John Wisner. Those are the two people that automatically come to my mind. What's that? Can you guys think of somebody? Raise your hand if you can think of somebody that just has a skip to their step, a hop to their step. Kelly. Dave McCracken. Raise your hand if you know Dave McCracken. Yippee Skippy. He was the teen retreat, teen retreat, not teen retreat, teen camp speaker. Simply fantastic. He was awesome. He held on to your attention. He had you. Dave McCracken had to hop this step. There was something about him. Why? He had a Holy Spirit-controlled life. Marcy. Mary. I would definitely agree. Mary lived a Spirit-controlled life. Anyone else? Who do you think, Dan? Tom Hayes. Tom Hayes. There is no doubt about it. Tom Hayes, an evangelist that comes in here and does our revivals. Unbelievable. Awesome. Great job. All right. We'll move right on. They have a hop to their step. What verse was I on before I got excited there? <sighs> What's that? Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Ah, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. I haven't even started. I'm already excited and I can't even get out of these verses yet. Here we go. Where are we on verse 8? So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're in the flesh, if you're living in the flesh, you cannot please God. Unbelievable. This is awesome. Let's just keep reading. But ye are not in the flesh. No, 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 no. You're in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, liveth in you, if the Spirit liveth in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit of Christ, you're not his son. And in if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. What does that tell me? you got to hop in your step if you have the Holy Spirit living your life. It says this again. It will quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, I love that word, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I'm going to keep going just a little bit. I'm going to go to verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then I'm going to pick it up finally on verse 26. Let me get my breath. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know that we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Kids, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Number one, I'm excited. When you live a Spirit-filled life, you get excited. 
God does something inside of you and you just want to please Him. You want to do what He wants you to do. But here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're going to live a Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled life, you have to recognize the Holy Spirit's activity and His workings in your life. What is some of the things that He does? He convicts. John chapter 16 says, He'll convict us. The Holy Spirit convicts you of what you've done wrong, what you are getting ready to do, or what you may have done or are getting ready to do again. I don't know. He convicts you. He shows you things. He illuminates things in John chapter 16. He teaches us. That's the wonderful thing about having God live inside of you, is you may not know it all, but you're always learning. And God will show you more on how to live a Spirit-controlled life. He guides us. That's the comforting one. I love that one. He guides you. If you're living a Holy Spirit-controlled life, He will guide you. He will show you where to go. He will show you what to do. It's awesome. He assures you. That's a good one. That tells us in Romans chapter 8 that He assures us. He assures us that what we're doing for Him is what He wants us to do. He assures us that we are doing what He wants us to do. I'll say it again. He assures us that we're doing what He wants us to do. That's awesome. I love it. He intercedes. He directs and He warns. He does all kinds of things. We're not going to turn to this, but in Acts chapter 20, it talks about how the Holy Spirit directs us. In Acts chapter 20, verse 23, it talks about how the Holy Spirit can warn us against things, on doing things, on going somewhere, on doing something. Are you getting the point here? You have to identify the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. Those are some of the things that He does. He does more than that. I just wanted to give you a brief overview. So the first thing you got to know is how do you live a Spirit-controlled life? You have to recognize the Holy Spirit in your life, what He's doing in your life, what He's trying to tell you, where He's trying to tell you to go, what He wants you to do. If He's convicting you, if He's teaching you, if He's guiding you, if He's assuring you, any of those things, okay? That's the first thing that you have to do if you're living a Spirit-controlled life, is be aware of the activity of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second one, and you know what? Number one is not going to take place. I should have done number two first, because number one is not going to take place if you don't have number two. And it is simply this. If you don't do this, you're not going to have a Spirit-controlled life. You have to be absolutely, positively, one hundred percent controlled by the Holy Spirit. You have to have complete control given to God. Complete control given to God. Something we talked about last week. As a Christian, if you are a Christian, when you became a Christian, God lived inside of you. He came and started living inside of your heart. 1 Corinthians, I think, tells us that our body is the temple of God now. We no longer need the temple in Jerusalem because the temple that God goes to now and lives and resides in is in your body when you get saved. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you when you get saved. That is where the Holy Spirit lives. Here is something that you need to understand. When you got saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit. You didn't get chopped up of the Holy Spirit, just His legs, just His arms, just His head, or His heart, or His mind. You got 
all of the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you got everything that you needed of the Holy Spirit. You realize that? Some of us didn't even know that. When, you, when you're saved, you got the Holy Spirit through and through. You're never going to get any more of the Holy Spirit than what, what he, when he came to live inside you. That's, that's what you get. Now, here's the cool thing. And here's what we don't even realize, but it makes sense. The reason why some of us don't even realize it is because you didn't give anything to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of you, but what did you give of yourself to the Holy Spirit? Does that make sense? What did you give yourself to God? If you are completely controlled by God, He owns everything about you. He owns the clothes you wear. He owns the music you listen to. He owns the the videos that you watch. He doesn't just own your body and that's it. He owns everything that you do. The Holy Spirit should own everything in your life. When you can get that across your thick skulls, like me, I have a thick skull, that's when you're going to feel and see the Holy Spirit working in your life. When you give Him everything. So let me tell you this point again. The question isn't how much are we getting of the Holy Spirit. We already have the Holy Spirit. We got all of them we're going to get. Now we might see Him in different ways. We, he might do different things for us. And we'll be, we, we never recognized before. But we have all we're going to get of the Holy Spirit. The question isn't are we getting more of the Holy Spirit. The question is how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Are you here? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? How much of you does the Holy Spirit have? You have all the Holy Spirit, but how much does the Holy Spirit have of you? How much does He have of you? I want us to listen to this song before I go on to these next couple points. 15.5, I do believe. Simple song. And it's all it is. We know this song, Michael W. Smith, is my favorite song, I think, in the whole entire universe. You are all I want. He is all I want. God is everything that you want. You, you, can, you can think about all these different things that you think you need or you want or you have to have. But if God is all you need and all you want, I promise you right now, you will sense, you will feel, you will have the beginning part of a spirit-controlled life. Listen to this song. Listen to the words of this song.
kids can't have a spirit-controlled life without having spirit in control of everything that is you. It's easy to have a spirit or a life where you want to have a little bit here. Okay, I'm going to do this regardless. God, you can have this area. I'm going to do this. That's not a spirit-controlled life because because you're controlling part of that. A spirit-controlled life is you give everything, all areas of your life, to the Holy Spirit to work and to move and to show you what to do. Now I'm good. All right, now, those of you who haven't seen this up here, I've got nasty shirts. I sweat a lot. There's my stains in my armpits. I'll pass it around if each of you want to take a sniff. Actually, it really smells pretty bad. I haven't worn these shirts forever. I got some shirts here. I'm not real sure about this illustration. We'll see how it works. I haven't thought a whole lot about it. I know what I want to accomplish with it, but we'll see. Kent State, huge fan. You guys wouldn't believe it all my life. Somewhere in here, believe it or not, all these shirts were in one dresser drawer. Ben, there's a shirt you used to wear. Abercrombie. Somewhere in the midst of this is, well, maybe not. I thought there was, but there's not. That's all right. We'll use this. The Cub shirt. It's got a little blue on it. Blue. Now, I just want to hit home this point. This is a laundry basket. Pretty new. still has a sticker on it. I like it. And this up here... Actually, if I threw a little bit over there, maybe some over here, it's supposed to be Lane Justice's bedroom. I told Lane, I said, I hope you're ready because we're watching the, the football game at your house this weekend. He goes, all right, I'm good. And I was like, all right, make sure your bedroom's clean because that's where we're having a party, right up in your room. And Logan told, went on to tell me, he's like, good luck. His room is a disaster, so I hope I'm embarrassing you tonight, Lane. No. This is actually my room. This is what it looks like. Okay, My wife doesn't clean up after me. But here, here's where I want to go with this. If I had, let's, let's imagine, I'm a basketball player. Let's imagine, look at this, this is a basketball shirt. I'll use this one instead of the Cubs because I got my cutoff shirts. I hate playing basketball with sleeves on it. It's not my thing. So I cut it off. And let's say that this shirt has nice cologne on it. My favorite cologne is our, made by Armani. It's called Mania, I think. Armani Mania. I love it. It smells... You can spray like bazillions of it on you, and it doesn't even really smell like you put a whole bunch on you. It still smells halfway decent. So let's imagine that I sprayed... Mmm. Smells good, doesn't it? You guys can smell me because I have Armania, Armani, Armani Mania on me. And I put this shirt right here. Now, I want this basket... I don't know how I'm going to make this work. I don't even know why I brought this basket other than I felt like I wanted to do some kind of illustration here. But I put this basket, or this shirt, on this basket. And my goal is to make this basket smell like Armania, Armania, Armani, Mania. Okay? 
Here, here smell me. See if I smell like Armani. I might smell like hamburgers because I cooked hamburgers before I came. Do I smell like Armani, maybe? Oh, there it is. Come on, Dustin, smell it. I smell it. You smell it? Smell pretty good, right? That wouldn't be a bad thing to have Armani Mania smelling on this. Dan, you want to smell it? You might want to buy it. It's pretty expensive. Did you smell the hamburger or did you smell the arm? <laughs> that's what I want this to smell like, this basket, okay? Now, that's pretty easy right now. You know why? Because I just saturated, play imagination, make believe with me. I just saturated this whole shirt in Armani Mania. Right now, it's the only thing there. Easy peasy Japanesey or easy peasy lemon squeezy, however you want to say it. This thing can smell like Armani Mania very, very easily. Now, you smell it? It smells good. I saturated it. See, I like how you play make-believe. You're good. All right. So we have this shirt, saturated Armani Mania, and it is consuming this whole basket because it's the only thing there. It's going to smell like that. Now, whew, man, I'm getting old. I can barely bend over. Here's another shirt. Look at it, how dirty it is. All right, imagine me putting this shirt on. Imagine me this point on. I work out, do my jumping jacks. I push up some setups. All right, I throw it in there. All right, for the most part, you're probably still going to smell what? The Armani Mania with a little mixture of B.O., sweat. And when I get B.O., I get B.O. Here we go. Here's another one. I go and I work out. Throw it in there, okay? Keep on going. I throw it in there. You can probably still smell a little bit of the Armania mania. Why can't I say it? Armani mania. And we just throw it all in there. Look, we'll throw it in there. More sweat, more days, different things. Just going in. Oh, this shirt is one of the coolest shirts in the whole wide world. I love this shirt. I might wear it. Tell me this shirt ain't cool. I know it's from Fredericktown. Pops up the bow. Alright, I, this might be your class. Do you know a Ryan Sipes? Tabitha Adam Redrick? What? I don't know, it just kind of did it. It's awesome, I love it. Garrett Bowers? You do? How old is he? Really? I, he, he was in Mr. Hammond's class. In Fredericktown, and I was her little student teacher, and they all made me this shirt. Anyway, it probably smells. If it if it smells as bad as it looks, it probably smells real bad, doesn't it? All right, so there we go. We're piling all these shirts in here. Now, pretty bad illustration, but we're still going with it. My Armani Mania shirt is down there, right? And if I when I wanted it to to smell everything up, it was the only one in there. And it would smell really good. Now all my hard workout shirts are all piled in there. This is all piled up. Do you think you could smell it anymore? You would probably be consumed with nothing but sweat and B.O. and everything else. But but every once in a while, if you have a smelling nose like me, or if your wife gets pregnant, like my wife is, they can smell everything. Absolutely everything. Really bad. I can let like a tiny little stinker like 10 minutes and she can smell it 10 minutes later. I'm not kidding you. It's bad. They're smelling. <laughs> stinker? I called it a stinker. 
Like, and ten minutes later, I'd be like, all right, she can come back in now. No big deal. And she'd be like, did you just poop your pants or whatever? I'm like, no, honey. <laughs> so anyway, my wife, every once in a while, would be able to catch a whiff of that Armani smell, Armani mania. But what happened here is now this basket is filled with everything else, all different kinds of smells. Maybe it's a school smell. Maybe it's a puke smell because some of my kids throw up at school. Maybe it's just a workout smell. Maybe it's, uh, maybe you, I went, I worked on cars and you have that mechanic smell. So you have all different kinds of smells in here. Here's the point I'm trying to get across very badly. That basket is us, our life, our bodies. That red cutoff shirt that's sprayed in Armani Mania, that is the Holy Spirit. When it's the only thing that's consumed of your body, that's all you smell is Armani Mania. Or that's all you see. And then you start throwing in your things, things on top of it, inside of your life, filled up with all different things other than the Holy Spirit. What happens? You don't see it anymore. You don't smell it anymore. That's the example I'm trying to get across pretty badly, but that's still the example I'm trying to get across. That's what it's like. It's also like if you had somebody living in your house, the Holy Spirit lives in your house, and you had somebody decide that, you know, I'm going to move in with you, and you put them away in their own little corner and never see them. It's like they're not even living with you, right? You have no idea if they're a nice person, what they can do, how they can help you, anything like that, can you? But if they live amongst you, all of a sudden it becomes a realization of what they mean to your family and things like that. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. What am I trying to tell you? The Holy Spirit in most of our lives is tucked all the way back in some corner of our bodies. And we just kind of, we know He's there and we just leave Him there. But if we give our lives completely, totally and utterly to the Holy Spirit to control us, you smell like Armani mania. And chicks will dig you guys. All right? Let's move on. That was way too long of an illustration. So if you're going to be controlled by the Spirit in all areas, the first thing that you have to do is you need to be totally, totally dependent on God. Read Ephesians 5.18 for me. Or with me. Ephesians 5.18. We're going to move along quickly, hopefully. I always say, every time, I, I just jinx myself. Every time I say I'm going to go fast and I end up talking about stuff. Ephesians 5. Is that what I said? Yep, 18. Here's what this says. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I want to hit this home for a little bit. You're not getting out early, sorry. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Keep that in thought as I move on and I'm going to come back to it. The Spirit-controlled life is a life that begins when we are absolutely 110% convinced that we can do nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. That's when it'll start. When you realize that you can't live this life, you can't live a Christian life apart from God, and you are convinced of that, that you can't make one decision, that you can't walk one step, that you can't make one telephone call, eat one bite without, the whole, without God's presence on your life, when you are convinced that that is the way to live a Holy, Holy uh, Spirit-controlled life, that is when it's going to start hitting you that the Spirit-controlled life is the only way that you can live as a Christian. 
That's the first step. You need to be totally dependent upon God. Now notice, I didn't say, I didn't say when we say that we're convinced. I said when we are convinced. When you totally believe that you can't do anything else without God, that is the first step of the Spirit-controlled life. And too bad, it's too bad, but many Christians live lives apart from the Holy Spirit every day. We talked about that the first week. They fail, they ask for forgiveness, they come back to the altar, they ask for forgiveness, and they say, God, I'm going to try my best again. That's not God's plan. God wants you to have victory. He wants you to live a Spirit-controlled life. The first step is you need to have total dependence upon God. You know, a lot of times, in order for us to get there, we've seen this in our church many times and with our families many times. We, we, we get so, because it is easy. It is easy to take bites without God's help. It is easy to take a step without God's help. I understand. That's easy to do. But a lot of times, God will allow us to go through some mental, some physical, some emotional valley so that we learn that we do need God during those times too. We need God during the good times just as much as during the bad. And God will allow us to go through some of those valleys so that we can become spiritually dependent, completely dependent upon Him. Think about the Beals. Most of you know the Beals family in here. They didn't know what was going to hit them. They found out that their, their son had a tumor in his head, had cancer. What happened to them? They, you can see it every time you walk, walk around them that they, all of a sudden, were now completely dependent upon God. And you can see it in their lives now that they live a spirit-controlled life. Think of anyone that's lost a loved one. You can't get through that on your own. You need God to help you through that. You need to be dependent upon God. I think of anyone that's overcome drugs or alcohol or any kind of addiction like that. Anyone that's had to overcome those things, most of the time they can't do it on their own. They need the power of God to help them. What am I trying to tell you? Is you need to be dependent, completely dependent upon God to help you in your everyday life. Now, going back to that verse, you need to be controlled by the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine. Here's what I believe that verse says. That verse when it says, do not be filled with wine or drunk with wine, but be controlled by the Spirit. That means that a person with the Spirit, who is controlled by the Spirit, means that they are dominated, they are controlled by the Holy Spirit, just like a drunk man is dominated and controlled by his wine. Have you guys ever been around somebody who's been drunk? Maybe a friend, maybe an uncle, maybe an aunt, maybe a dad, maybe a mom. If you've seen somebody who's been drunk before, you notice what? That they are out of control. They don't have control over the, the, the alcohol is what controls them. It controls their moods. It controls their thoughts. It controls their desires. They are completely and utterly dependent upon that alcohol. They, the alcohol is what's... Once the alcohol goes down, what do they do? They pass out. Right? Most of the time. Or drink more. I believe that the Bible is telling us that like a drunk is, dependent upon alcohol for their moods and, and what they're doing, that's what we need to be like with the Spirit. We need to be dominated, controlled by the Spirit. Our lives need to be controlled like that. And the second step to having, to giving the, uh, the Holy Spirit complete control, is you need to have total surrender to God's Holy Spirit. You need to be, number one, dependent upon Him, 
for everything that you do. Number two, you need to be, have total surrender to God's Holy Spirit. Read with me James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee you. Resist the devil and he will flee you. Submit yourselves to God. This is the answer. This is the answer. I know for me, I would think, you know, living a spirit-controlled life is great, but you know what? I like to give in sometimes. I like... Think about it. We like to give in to our flesh. And most of our lives, we know that we need God to help us to have a spirit-controlled life. Most of us know that. We, we know that, right? But our flesh works against us. We want what feels good. We want what looks good, what tastes good, what sounds good. That's our flesh. For instance, guys. I'll be honest with you. Young guys and old guys. Guys think about girls. And you know what? Even as a married man, you think about girls. I think about my wife. Guys, I'm sure you think about girls. Now, let me tell you something. I'll be honest with you because I'm a guy. And girls, take this vice versa because you girls, hopefully like guys, and you probably think about guys. Let me tell you something. It's it's not hurtful. It, 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 it is, we like in our flesh to think about the opposite sex. Do we not? We like to think about the opposite sex. When you're not married and you're thinking about the opposite sex in a way that you shouldn't be thinking, we like that. And a lot of times we don't stop ourselves, do we? That's what the flesh does. The flesh, it, it makes you want those things. It makes you want to think about things or want, want to look at things. That's what the flesh does. The Holy Spirit, if we're living a spirit-controlled life, that verse right there says that if we submit to God, we need to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. The question is, do we want him to? Do we want to stop thinking about those thoughts? Does that make sense? It's our fault. We, we want to keep thinking about that. We want to live a spirit-controlled life, but we want to think about those things. But I promise you right now that it's temporary. When we want to satisfy our flesh, it's temporary. The only true satisfaction comes from living a spirit-controlled life. That's when you'll have total satisfaction. So we need to become desperate for God to come through for us in any situation that we have. Think about a time maybe where, where you, in your own life, had something coming up and you're like, God, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. The only way I can do this is if you, if, you, if you really help me out. Have you ever been in a spot in your life where you've been like, I, I can't do it, God. I can't do it. Raise your hand if there's been something that's happened in your life. You're like, I just don't know if I can get through this. You know what's happening there? And then raise your hand if you got through it. Now raise your hand if you were one that said, God, I don't know if I can get through it. I need you to help me. I'll do whatever it takes, God, for you to help me. Raise your hand if you've done that before. I have. What's happening there? God uses our weakness, our dependence. We become so dependent on Him, that's when God will use us because we're totally dependent on Him. And God can use you in that way. 
So we need to be dependent and surrendered. I think of this illustration right here, and I'm almost done, I promise you. I think of this illustration. Think of a person. Raise your hand if you're a lifeguard. We ain't swimmers. Ben's a lifeguard. Okay. Logan, or, okay. My mind went blank. Why did my mind just go blank on your name? Why, I called you Logan. I've been calling him Lane, called him Logan. Craig. <laughs> Trust me, I know Craig. Craig's one a good, good guy. Don't worry. I called Logan Lane today, and I called Lane Hooper Scooper or something. I don't know what I called him. And I couldn't think of Kay's name two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? I was like looking right at Kay and I was like, and your name is? All right. Why, why did I just say that? I completely lost my track of thought. Lifeguard. Because Ben is one. Think about a lifeguard. What do they teach lifeguards to do if someone's drowning? Guard lives. That's a good way of putting it. They teach lifeguards to guard lives, correct? Think about if someone is drowning in a lake, in a river, in an ocean, whatever you want to say. What do they tell the lifeguards to do? What do they tell them to do? What do they tell the lifeguards to do? They tell them to swim out there just beyond their what, Craig? Beyond their reach. Why would you not swim all the way out to this guy who's drowning when they're squirming? They're like, ah, ah. Why would you not do that? What would happen, Craig? They would pull you under there. You're the, you're the sturdiest thing they have that they can pull, and they're going to drown you too. You know what they teach you to do as a lifeguard? You know what they teach you to do? They teach you to stay just within grasp. And then once that person totally gives up, it's like, huh, that's when you snatch them. Is that correct, Craig? A lot of times, that's what God wants you. Sometimes it takes for us to completely come to a point where we have to completely give up, completely say, God, I can't do this away from you. And that's when God will snatch you. And that's when God will start working in your life and using you in a great way. When you totally and truly give up and become dependent upon Him and surrender to Him. Think about the song. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes to your will and to your way. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. I've shared this with you before, and I believe this. This is so true in my life. I don't care what Mary says. She might disagree with me, but I don't care. This is so true. If you are totally surrendered, I believe this with all of my heart, totally dependent upon God, and one, the Spirit, the Holy, you're going to have a Holy Spirit-controlled life. But here's what's going to happen. There will be a situation that comes up, and if you're to- totally surrendered, this is the way I look at it. Situation comes up, God gives you an opportunity to do something, you just say yes. Most people think about it opposite. Most people, what do they say? Oh, here's an opportunity for you. Would you like to do this? Well, let me see. I have to pray about it. And I'm not saying not praying about it's not a bad thing. Praying about it is a great thing. It's a powerful thing. But man, what a life of faith a life of dependency and surrender, when a situation comes up and, and, and you, just, you, you feel like you should do it, but you say, oh, I won't pray about it, and you just do it, and you say, yeah, I'll do it, and so you do it, and then you pray, God, if this is not your will, close the door. What do you think about that? I think 
is a powerful way to show that you are surrendered to God. And if it doesn't work out, it's not that you're not com- keeping your commitment. It'll just, it'll just work out the way you can't do it at all. It's just You know that you won't be able to do it. And I believe that God is searching for people like that. I believe God wants people just to say, yeah, 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 I'll do it. And then you pray, God, if this isn't your will, close the door. Close the door. And if it's not, he'll close it. Because the door is already open if the opportunity's there, isn't it? He's opened that door if the opportunity's there. I love that. I love that. So the first thing is you've got to be aware of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And the second thing is you've got to be controlled by the Spirit. You can't have a basket full of shirts. You've got to have a basket full of one Armani Mania shirt. And thirdly and lastly, and we'll make this point quick, how do you live a spirit? What, how do you live a spirit-controlled life? Some of you are like, I still don't know. Here's here's one other, another thing you can do. I love this quote: When you don't know what to do, do the things you know you should do. What does that mean? That means if you want to live a Holy Spirit-controlled life, first off. Try to be aware of what He does in your life. Second off, give Him all of your life, every last piece, every last spot inside of your body, your mind, your heart, and your soul. And thirdly, do all the things that you know you should do. Spout them out. Michael, what's one? Read your Bible. Somebody else. Pray. Somebody else. Go to church. Somebody else. Witness to people. Somebody else. Encourage people. Help people. I'll tell you a big one. Listen to Christian music. Instead of that bad, yucky music. Listen to good music. Music that will shape you and mold you and help you in your walk with the Lord. Music, oh, I'm not even going to get off on, on that. Pastor Dan would appreciate it if I did, but I'm not going to. And finally tonight, in closing, I want to use this illustration. I hope that you've learned tonight how you can live a controlled life, a, a spirit-controlled life. And in closing, I want to leave with, the, you, with this illustration. First off, you can't have control and also have the benefits of a surrendered life to God. I read it somewhere, this illustration. There was a doctor and a patient. Shocker. How's that happen? There was a patient and a doctor. And I don't know what this patient's sickness was or condition was. I have no idea. But I know that it was life-threatening. And the patient meets the doctor and they get along real well. And the doctor's like, you know what? think we can get this problem solved. I think I can help you to where you won't die and you'll live and you'll survive to be 70 or 80 years old. And the patient is like, woo, yes, that's awesome news because he thought he was probably going to die. He's like, on one condition though, doctor, on one condition. And here's what he said. He said, doc, the only way that I'll let you do this is if I get to pick and choose what I do, what I don't do, what medications I do, what medications I take, 
what, how long I'm in the, the hospital for, that's the only way that I'm going to do this. What do you think the doctor said? Well, he probably laughed, didn't he? The doctor was like, buddy, if you don't do it my way, if you don't let me have complete control, you're going to die. The only way that you're going to survive is if you allow me to do everything I know in my power to do to help you survive. And it's the same way with our Christian walk with God. God's saying, Mark, hey, I got a way for you to get to heaven. I got a way for you to be the happiest, most joyful person in the world. And I'm like, God, yes, I want that. But I want to listen to my music. I want to watch my videos. I want to go to church when I want to go, but I still want that life. And what does God say? It's not happening. It's my way. I need all of you, Mark. Tonight, bow your head with me. Uh, Alan, will you, number four, please? And kind of a little, a little low, slow, or low. Tonight, we've explored the idea of how do I live a Spirit-controlled life. You become aware of what the Holy Spirit does in your life. You be completely controlled by the Spirit. And finally, do everything else that you know to do. Do all the right things that God calls you to do anyway. I promise you, kids, if you do those three things, and we're going to get into more. We just briefly talked about the, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. But if you truly and honestly try to do those three things, I promise you right now, this week, the Holy Spirit will work in your life. You will be controlled by the Holy Spirit in everything that you do if you do those three things. Close your eyes for me tonight. No eyes up, all heads bowed. If this made sense to you tonight, if you're like, Mark, this is it. I know it. I'm going to try this this week. I'm going, to, I'm going to try with all of my heart to be aware of where the Holy Spirit, what He's doing in my life. Mark, I'm going to try to, to give God every area of my life. I'm going to take out my music. I'm going to take out my bad movies. I'm going to take away my bad books. I'm going to, every time I have a bad thought about the opposite sex, I'm going to, sex, I'm going to push it aside and say, God, come in here and help me. If you are truly going to do that, that this week, without anyone looking, just raise your hand and say, Mark, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to live that spirit-controlled life this week. It makes sense to me. I believe that that's what God wants me to do. I believe it, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tonight, if you are still unsure... that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Last week, we had a few people raise their hand that they, they were just unsure if, if the Holy Spirit was living inside of them. They were unsure where they would go if something would happen to them. If you are unsure tonight, and the question I'm going to ask tonight is, and you want to have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior tonight, if you want to make tonight the night that you become a new person, that you start experiencing tonight that wonderful, spirit-controlled life, 
where you have joy, peace, and happiness that can't come from drugs, can't come from alcohol, can't come from anything else but the Holy Spirit. If you want that tonight, will you, with every head bowed, just look up at me and make eye contact with me? Every head bowed, and if you want that tonight, if you say, Mark, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want peace, I want joy, and I want happiness. Not tomorrow, next week. I want it tonight, Mark. Lift your head straight up and just look right in my eyes if that's you tonight. And if it's not you, don't worry about it. But if it's you, make eye contact with me tonight. prayer I believe with all my heart that God did some great things tonight I certainly do tonight if you were one of those people that that made eye contact with me if you don't mind what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to come up to the altar And I'll meet you at the altar and I want to pray with you. I'm going to lead everyone in a prayer. And then as I I start leading everyone in prayer, I'm going to ask you just to come up and and to kneel at the altar. And then when I'm done praying, I'm just going to come and I'm going to pray with you and talk with you a little bit. So if if you want to do that, allow the Holy Spirit to work on you. But I I would encourage you tonight that if you were one of those people who made eye contact with me to come up to this altar and pray with me at the end of this service. Let's bow our head in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for all that you do and all that you are. God, I thank you so much for laying this series on my heart. Lord, it is so important. Probably, in my opinion, the most important thing we can do as Christians is to learn about the Holy Spirit, to learn about how we need to live a life that is holy and righteous. It is not your will, God. I believe with all of my heart it's not your will for us to come up week in and week out, kneel down at this altar and say, God, forgive me again for that sin. Forgive me again for that sin. God, I know that's not your will. That's not what you want. You want us to have a holy and a a spirit-controlled life. And you want us to have victory. So, God, I thank you for those hearts that you've ministered to tonight. I thank you for for these kids and these adults who are here with a tender heart, who are open to what you have for them. Lord, I pray that tonight, those who have made decisions, those who raised their hand that said, God, I am going to try my best to live a Holy Spirit-controlled life. Lord, I know that you don't just want us to try your best, that we just need to live that life, but I pray that you be with them tonight. God, I pray that you, that you allow them, to, to make, when they made that decision, to not just be the decision they make for a week, but it's for a lifetime. And God, those, once again, who, who made those decisions tonight about having you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that you work on their hearts right now, that they may come up to this altar and get things right with you and have you living inside of their hearts. So God, thank you for all that you've done and all that you are doing. Lord, watch over these kids. 
as they travel tonight. Watch over all of us this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, it's awesome to have you guys here. Sorry I got long-winded. I get excited about this stuff. I love it. I believe with all my heart this is the way. This is where God wants us to go. Don't forget next Wednesday to come. You're going to get an awesome blessing next week with Brian. I think Cynthia may sing a few songs. Um, It's going to be a great week. So make sure that you guys come and be faithful and support Brian and allow your hearts to be open to what God has for you to do. Finally, before before we dismiss, I know we, we sent that paper around. I want nice hands high as you can if you're going on Saturday for sure. High as you can. High as you can. One, two, eight. I'm glad Ben said that. Bring somebody. It is going, I'm going to tell you right now, you, if you do not come, you will regret. And I want a head count. High, 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 high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Katie, you coming? Okay. Eight. Maybe. Your maybes. We got some maybes. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. All right. I figured we'd have around 20. Those of you that can't come, I completely understand. I'll probably give you a hard time anyway. But, hey, if you can't go to the Spaghetti Warehouse and you can't go to Magic Mountain, please meet us at, at Logan and Lane's house. You, it'll be a great time. I will love rubbing in that high state loss even more to more people, okay? The more people I can rub it in, the better. I might come and face paint, Penn State face paint. We'll see. All right, guys, Lord bless you. Have a great night. Thanks for coming. Way to be the man. I'm serious.